Trigger warning. This podcast may contain themes of suicide, violence, and drug use. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to Tia and Rio attempt to save themselves and the world. Episode 8. Here we go. Previously on Tia and Rio attempt to save themselves and the world, Tia and Kiki have a fun outing at the Mill Creek Mall until mall security shows up. We are introduced to Abigail, who has been spying on Tia and Kiki, and who's responsible for said security interference. Shortly thereafter, the police show up and confiscate Kiki's mini backpack, revealing her plethora of pills and needles. Tia takes the blame and tells the officers everything in Kiki's bag is hers. Meanwhile, there's the hot and heavy, uh, passion going on between Rio and Hugh that gets interrupted before anything too hot or steamy could happen. Some man crashes into Hugh's car, causing Hugh to go into a rage and bash the man's truck with a baseball bat. Rio quickly takes the fall for this by smashing a police car's window, getting arrested on the spot. Then there's the little boy Hugh sees down the street, which causes Hugh to get violently ill. Tia finds herself alone in the small jail cell the police had put her in. They had read her her rights, and as they were walking away, she could hear them say something about checking her record. This comment gave Tia a little hope that she'd be okay, considering she did not have a record. Yet. With nothing but time to sit and contemplate, Tia thinks about her best friend and the large amount of drugs she had had on her. Tia's angry at Kiki for taking those pills with her, but worry overthrows any anger she feels. How long has this been going on? Is Kiki an addict? She must be. Why else would she have all those needles and pills? Right? Wait, is that why I was on a shore made of pills and needles? Was I too busy drowning in my own sorrow to see the pain my friend was in? Tia is full of questions, but she does not have the answers. The more she thinks about Kiki, the sadder she becomes wanting to understand her friend's pain, but hurt that she never told her about it. Damn, that's one heavy secret to keep all to yourself. Anita and Tony are sporting their birthday suits in Anita's kitchen when Anita gets the call from Hugh. She can't believe what she's hearing, and even Tony is stunned to hear the news. Something isn't adding up, Anita tells Tony the minute she gets off the phone. Rito told me he had some anger problems, but to go to jail? My girl is going to have a record! Anita hustles to the back of the trailer to get to her room and put on clothes. Tony is right behind her, trying to console her. Baby, it's not that big of a deal. I have a record and I turned out all right. Anita forms a twisted smile as she finishes getting dressed. She has enough issues as it is, Anita states back, her mind far off somewhere else. I know, but all I'm saying is that she's an adult, and she's been an adult for a while now. It's time for her to start making mistakes. And those mistakes have consequences. You can expect to hold her hand forever. Anita looks at Tony with aggravation in her eyes. I don't hold her hand. I support her, like her family should. But if you haven't already noticed, I am the only family she has. Anita goes to grab Tony's car keys, but he pulls on her hand. She tries fighting him for a moment before she easily surrenders. 
Hey, you're upset. I'll drive. He gives Anita a warm hug. I didn't mean anything bad, okay? You've saved her life, and I understand that. All I'm getting at is that she needs to learn some independence, you know? Anita nods while locking up her trailer and following him out to his vintage car. On the ride to the police station, Anita's mind goes back about 20 years. It honestly doesn't seem that long ago when Rose was just the little girl next door. Anita remembered Christmas that year, when Rio had been nine years old, and how she had heard the loud sobs echo into her trailer. Anita lived by herself back then. She was in the process of going to veterinary school, and everything in her home was silent that night. Anita was getting an early start on her next semester's studies. At first, she thought there was a stray cat outside, crying to get in. Anita opened her door, but didn't see signs of any strays out in the heavy snow. But with her door open, she could hear the cries getting louder, and she realized they were coming from the trailer next door. Anita hurriedly put on her winter coat and trudged through the heavy wet snow to get to her neighbor's front door. She almost fell going up the three little stairs as they were covered in heavy snow and ice. Anita knocked, and the crying quieted down as she heard shuffling inside. She heard what sounded like furniture being moved around, and then she heard the two locks on the door unlock. There was another quick scraping sound before the door swung open. Anita was shocked to find the neighbor's child at the door, tears streaming down her face. The sound she had heard was the little girl moving a kitchen chair over to the door because she couldn't reach the locks without standing on something. This petite child was still sobbing as she stared at Anita. Do you know where my mom is? I can't find her. Uh, I told her if she's hiding to come out, but... Anita bent down to get more on the girl's level. When the girl continued to cry, Anita picked her up and held her. Without a word, Anita searched the small trailer and found no sign of any adult. It was Christmas Day, and this child was all alone. When did your mom go and hide? Do you remember? Anita had asked her, trying to determine if something went terribly wrong and figuring out what actions to take. She went last night. She said if I was good, Santa would bring me presents. But I must have been bad. Because there were no presents, and my mom is gone too. Still holding the child, she asked her what her name was. I'm Rose. What's your name? Anita smiled and told her, and then asked her if she would like to spend some time with her at her house while they waited for her mom to return. Little Rose nodded, and the two of them carefully made their way back to Anita's trailer, where Anita heated up a bowl of soup for the scared child. Anita proceeded to call the police and explain the situation. After two days of trying to figure out if something terrible had happened to Miss Smith, the authorities found her lounging at some guy's apartment in downtown Erie. When she returned, she told the cops and Anita it was no big deal. She needed some time to herself. The cops explained to her that if she left her small child home alone again, she might lose custody of her daughter, to which Miss Smith barely batted an eye. Anita, on the other hand, was appalled by Rose's mother's behavior. On New Year's Eve that same year, Anita asked Miss Smith if the girl could stay with her, and Rose practically lunged at Anita. She was so happy to see her. Anita suspected that Rose may be left alone again, despite the warning the police had issued. Sure enough, Miss Smith could have cared less if Rose went to Anita's that night, 
It meant she could do her own thing, which is exactly what she wanted. When Rio was nine, she got to have the best Christmas she had ever had, although it was on New Year's Eve. Anita had gotten the girl a few toys and stuffed animals, and Rose was thrilled. Anita and Rose began to form a bond. Rose always wanted to be with Anita, because even when Miss Smith was home, Rose had always felt alone around her mother. However, the more time she spent with Anita, it became evident that Anita was everything Rose wanted her mom to be. They had been inseparable ever since. So as Tony and Anita pull up to the police station, Anita could only think about the little girl she had saved on that snowy Christmas night. Kiki is a complete wreck as she waits to hear from Tia. Kiki had been escorted by the police back to Tia's house, which was an extremely odd experience for Kiki. The way the cop that took her home talked to her, she was certain he suspected that the drugs did in fact belong to her. It was not the first time she had been in trouble due to her bad habits, but she played it cool, thanking the officer for the ride home through a very phony smile, wishing this night had never happened. Why the hell did I have to insist on us going to the mall? For the first time in, well, ever, Kiki experiences a brief moment of gratitude for the Blasco Library. The second she's inside, Kiki makes a beeline to her bedroom. There is a large framed photograph of Mrs. Johnson, Tia, and Kiki together in the backyard of this house from many years ago, and Kiki has a hard time looking at it, even though it's the centerpiece of the room. She won't dare glance in the direction of Mrs. Johnson's picture as she carefully pulls another baggie full of pills out from under Mrs. Johnson's old mattress. She tries to stop the tears from falling out of her eyes as she pops two of the pills, dry swallowing them as the tears continue to escape down her face. I'm sorry, she says out loud, her gaze in the direction of the family photograph, but still, Kiki can't bear to look at it. Several hours pass as Kiki waits on the couch. She's higher than a kite and constantly checks her cell phone that's right next to her on the couch, hoping to hear from her best friend. The guilty feelings become unbearable, but she knows she has to keep it together. The least she can offer her friend is the truth. Tia had taken the fall for her, and that meant the world to Kiki. She loves Tia so much, and she knows she has to tell her friend about her persistent feelings. No more secrets. She rests in her pill-induced limbo, trying so hard to remain awake for her best friend, but fearful Tia will not be coming home anytime soon. Rio is in a jail cell with one other woman. She's middle-aged and clearly intoxicated. The woman glares at Rio, and a very bold Rio glares right back. Eventually, the woman gives up as she starts to pass out. Rio rolls her eyes and stares at the door that separates her from freedom. While she waits, her mind zeroes in on the man who hit Hugh's car. She shivers thinking about him, his holier-than-thou attitude, the gross jowls that formed where his cheeks should have been, his camo sweater, the way he wore his enormous shit-eating grin. That grin, his attitude, plus the whole jowl thing, is enough to convince Rio that he most definitely had hit Hugh's car on purpose. But why? 
Does he know you? Or was this another message from hell about what they want from me? Is this kind of shit gonna keep happening? Where the hell is Hugh anyway? I hope he didn't end up in cuffs too. She's about to try and get in a position to lie down since she feels so tired from the long day. But a police officer opens the door and comes over to the cell. He glances at Rio before stating, You've been released on bond, but there's some paperwork you need to fill out before you can go. Rio nods, following him out. She's expecting to see Hugh and is surprised to see both Anita and Tony waiting for her. Rio runs over to Anita and hugs her before saying, I'm so sorry you had to pick me up here. Hey, everything is going to be okay. You don't seem to be in much trouble, this being your first offense. Rio is ashamed to see Tony, but gives him a polite, friendly, Hey, Tony. I'm sorry for messing up your date with Anita. Tony gives her a faint smile, which is a lot coming from him. Do you know where Hugh is? He said he'd be right behind me. I'm actually surprised to see you. He's the one who called us and let us know what happened. He said he'd be here, but we haven't seen him. I hope he's okay. Rio turns to follow the police officer to his desk in order to fill out the paperwork. The officer overseeing her signature tells her, We typically require jail time for assaulting a police officer's property. We see you don't have a record, so we're letting you go on bond. And, as this last paper states, you will be required to take and complete an anger management class. You'll start next week. Rio doesn't know what to say. Anger management? <laughs> That's exactly what Hugh needs. He should be the one going, but hopefully I'll learn something to pass along. Help that man loosen up. Rio thanks the officer, appreciating the fact she doesn't have to do jail time, and leaves with Anita and Tony. Rio tries to call Hugh before they get into the car, but he doesn't pick up. She texts him, Hey, are you okay? Before getting into the tiny back seat of Tony's classic car. With Tony at the wheel, Anita turns around to face Rio. Are you alright? I feel like there are several missing pieces to this story. Care to fill me in? Since Tony could hear every word, Rio tells Anita everything that had happened, except the part where she and Hugh had gotten hot and heavy, and that Hugh apparently has gone to jail before. Even Rio hasn't finished wrapping her head around that fact yet. Rio checks her phone again, and there are no new messages. Rio is internally freaking out, but she keeps her concerns to herself. Rio knows she ruined Anita and Tony's date, and she feels awful. But more than anything, she really just wants to talk to Hugh, to tell him what happened, like how she's not in jail anymore, and that she has to start taking an anger management class next week. All very noteworthy topics, but the only thing she receives from Hugh is silence. Relief and fear hit Kiki when Tia shakes her awake. Her high has mostly worn off, and Tia is staring at her, seemingly terrified. Kiki, are you okay? Kiki thinks Tia sounds far away, but Tia's face is directly in hers. Tia struggles to wake up her friend, and she fears Kiki has overdosed. Tia runs to get a glass of water and splashes it on her friend's face. Kiki cries out, Ah! Oh, what the hell did you do that for? Tia pays her shock no mind as she embraces Kiki, happy to be home and even more relieved that her friend is okay. T, what happened? How are you home? 
Kiki slowly starts sitting up. Tia shrugs her shoulders. The whole thing was really weird. They made me take a drug test, which I passed, obviously, and they asked me a bunch of questions about all those pills they found. I just told them I got a hold of those drugs to cope with my mom's death. They seemed to believe me well enough. A few hours later, they told me, since I don't have a record, that I was free to go. But on one condition. Kiki leans in. They're making me sign up to attend Narcotics Anonymous. They said if I do well and continue to pass any drug test that I wouldn't have to spend any time in jail, which, you know, should be easy since I don't do drugs. Tia looks at her friend with sadness and confusion in her eyes. What happened, Kiki? Kiki stares at the floor, afraid to make eye contact. Afraid to finally admit her complicated feelings. She stalls. Wait, the cops seriously let you go that easy? That doesn't seem right. Tia nods. I thought the same thing, but I'm thinking they didn't fully believe the drugs were mine. I was cooperative, maybe overly cooperative. I don't know. And every time they asked me any questions, I stuck to the same story. Then one of them mentioned that they were sorry about my mom's passing. Who knows? Maybe they had empathy for me considering the circumstances. Clearly, I wasn't lying about my mom's death. Whatever it was, I'm just happy not to be in that cell anymore. I'll go to all the meetings they want to avoid that petri dish of a disease they call a jail. Kiki lets out a small laugh, but the more she thinks about it, the harder she continues laughing. <laughs> Wait, girl, what? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Finally, after both of them are out of breath, Tia turns to her friend again, expecting some answers. Kiki gives Tia a faint smile before saying, I promise to tell you everything. Let's just not go into it tonight, okay? Kiki's eyes plead with her, and Tia agrees. Yeah, let's get some rest, but tomorrow, I'm not letting you off the hook. Got it? Kiki hugs Tia in response. We'll get through this together. Tia tells her as the two women hold on to each other, overcome by all the hardships they've had to face since Mrs. Johnson's untimely death only weeks ago. Saturday morning, Rio checks her phone the second she wakes up. Nothing. There are no missed calls or any text messages from Hugh. Rio panics, racing out of her room to find Anita. Anita jumps, nearly dropping the electronic notepad she's holding on the couch. My word! Good morning to you, too! Uh, I'm sorry, Anita. I didn't mean to scare you. It's just... Anita moves so that Rio has room to join her on the couch. I still haven't heard anything from Hugh. And... There's something I didn't tell you yesterday. Rio fidgets with her nails. Anita closes her notepad, her focus completely on Rio. What is it, my dear? I'm listening. <sighs> Part of the reason, or I guess the reason, I did what I did yesterday is because Hugh told me... Rio pauses, her heartbeat intensifying. After Hugh smashed that guy's truck, he told me he had been arrested before. He didn't say when or for what, but I haven't heard back from him at all since the incident, and I'm getting really worried. I can't say I like the sound of that, but then again, it looks like Tony and I may be getting back together, so I'm not judging. 
Anita sits up and moves so that she and Rio are right next to each other. Rio instinctively rests her head on Anita's shoulder, and the two remain close as they continue their conversation. Could I borrow your car for today? I'm thinking of stopping at the store to see if he's there. I just, I want, you need answers. Rio closes her eyes, grateful for Anita's understanding and kindness. Yeah, I need answers. And I'm worried that he, no, no need to worry. I'm sure he's fine. I am angry at him for getting you wrapped up in a fight that sounds like it could have been handled better. Yeah, it got extreme so quickly. And Anita, there's one other major thing I left out. Did you two have sex? Rio's eyes go wide as she lets out a small laugh. <laughs> no, I mean, we almost had sex. We were about to, and it was seriously the most intense and passionate moment I've ever experienced. Until we heard the car crash. Then it's like that Jekyll and Hyde switch turned on and Hugh just got so mad so fast. I barely had time to process everything. Next thing I know, I'm breaking a police car's window with a baseball bat. Rio turns to make eye contact, her hair still messy from sleep and her eyes becoming watery. Anita, what if I'm really wrong about Hugh? What if he's not a good guy? I mean, he was so sweet, even bold, romantically speaking, before shit hit the fan, and now it feels like he's ghosting me. Oh, Rio, I don't think he's ghosting you. It sounds like he has some demons he needs to work through. Rio instantly pictures the ghoulish version of Hugh. <sighs> he certainly does seem to have his demons. But yes, you can borrow my car. Just please, keep me posted on everything. I don't want you to be worried. He's probably embarrassed by his reaction, as he should be. If he puts you into harm's way again, he's going to have to deal with me, understand? Rio nods, giving Anita a big hug. That's one of the many reasons I love you so much, me campiona. Anita kisses Rio's forehead. No matter what happens, you always have me. Rio smiles. I know. And same here. Tony should be well aware by now that this chick means business. I would do way more than bash a police car's window in for you. Anita's laughter is followed up with a playful wink as Rio hurries to get ready and find Hugh. Saturday morning, the morning after her arrest, and ironically, Rio's arrest, a still exhausted Tia wakes up to the smell of pancakes. She sighs, already knowing that today is going to be a long day. She slowly makes her way downstairs to find Kiki in the kitchen, smiling ear to ear at Tia as soon as she's in eyesight. Good morning, T. How'd you sleep? Kiki flips the last couple of pancakes before placing a very full plate of them in front of Tia. Honestly, I feel like I passed out. Tia looks up at Kiki. What's the special occasion? A black woman got out of jail? Kiki smirks but remains serious. It's more of a thank you for having my back. If it had been me, I know I would have been fucked. There's no way I would have gotten out anytime soon. Tia hasn't touched the pancakes yet. She continues looking over at Kiki. How long have you had this problem? Without a word, 
Kiki sits down across from Tia and starts putting a few pancakes on her own plate, dressing them up in syrup. She refuses to meet Tia's gaze. Not that long. Maybe a couple years? Tia's mouth drops open. Years? Tia feels sick to her stomach, and the overpowering smell of pancakes only adds to her nausea. Kiki, why? Please, help me understand. Kiki continues to look down. It started when I realized that... I'm gay. Kiki shoves a big bite of pancakes into her mouth, still not making eye contact with her friend. Tia is dumbfounded. Oh, wow. Thank you for telling me. You know that I fully support you, right? Tia moves her hand to take Kiki's. She squeezes, while Kiki continues to avoid any and all eye contact. It's been that much of a struggle for you that you had to turn to drugs? Tia feels like there's something missing. A piece of the puzzle unsolved. Tia is trying to be patient, but after everything that's happened, she realizes she doesn't have much, not even for her best friend. Kiki, why did you turn to drugs? What are you not telling me? Kiki finally looks up, tears beginning to fall from her eyes. T, it's, it's because... Kiki suddenly freezes. Tia blinks hard. Kiki's mouth is slightly open like she's about to say something, but no words are coming out. Her hand on her fork also remains still, everything completely unmoving. Kiki! Tia claps her hands, but Kiki remains frozen. Before she has time to try and make sense of what's happening, the kitchen door creaks open on its own. Nervous and shaky, Tia carefully makes her way over to the open door and gasps at the sight in front of her. Tia's backyard has been replaced by the shores of Lake Erie, and the sandy shores before her eyes are covered in dead bodies. Tia's used to witnessing fish carcasses along the shore. There have been many times where she's seen dozens of them, dead-eyed and rotted, their stench invading the nostrils of all those who happen to invade their home as well. Her senses have gotten accustomed to such a foul odor, but nothing ever really prepares you for the smell of rotting human beings. Tia's stomach gurgles as she tries not to gag. It's a beautiful sunny day, the sky is bright blue, the water calm and vibrant, and the dead bodies are so perfectly spaced out as if everyone enjoying their beach outing all died instantly, pools of red surrounding some of the bodies more than others. Tia goes to scream, but no sound comes out. As she inches further away, trying to get back into her house, trying to unsee the horrors in front of her, she catches something she initially missed. In the sand, there's a message. It reads, This future is on you. T, it's because... Kiki stops talking abruptly as Tia teeters back, causing herself in the chair she was sitting in to hit the kitchen floor with a booming thud. Oh my god, are you alright? Kiki yells, scrambling over to Tia on the floor. Kiki holds out her hand to help her up. See, this is why I didn't want to tell you. Why I didn't want to tell anyone. I already hate myself. I don't need my best friend to pity me. Tia clamors to get caught up in the present, but it's too late. A very upset Kiki runs out the kitchen door. Kiki, wait! Tia races after her, but Kiki is already out of sight. Kiki, please! I'm sorry! My reaction had nothing to do with... But Tia stops yelling when she realizes it's no use. At the moment when Kiki felt most vulnerable, hell had somehow intervened. Proof that Tia's bathroom encounter 
was more real than she ever wanted to believe. She wants to find Kiki, but worries that Kiki may now be in danger since the timing was almost too perfect. Tia hurries to her bedroom and grabs one of her notebooks, jotting down everything that just happened. Maybe Matt can help me make sense of this, if he'd ever believe it. Why would he? I don't. Tia throws her notebook across the room in anger. Fuck! Tia jumps when she hears a loud thud coming from her mom's old room. Kiki? Tia's hopeful that maybe she came back. Kiki, I'm sorry for how I reacted. It had nothing to do with you. I thought I saw something and... Tia stops talking when she notices a thud must have come from a book that fell off of her mother's small bookshelf. When Tia bends down to pick it up, she realizes it's an old diary of her mother's. The diary forcefully falls from Tia's hands, and as soon as it lands on the floor, it whooshes open by itself, moving to the first blank page near the back of the book. Tia is mortified and amazed as she watches writing appear before her eyes, writing that is identical to her mother's handwriting, writing that reads, I've missed you, T. I love you, and I don't have much time, but there's something you need to know. There is someone else. Suddenly, the entire diary is engulfed in flames. Shit! Tia quickly grabs the throw blanket off of the bed and tries to tame the fire that broke out. The flames are put out with ease, but the diary is completely charred, ruining the writing she's certain was her mother's. The Tia and Rio Show is created, written, and produced by Callie Oberlander. Tia is performed by Julie McCormick. Rio and all other voices that are not Tia are performed by Callie Oberlander. Sound design, editing, and music are by Eric Brown. My continuity checkers, readers, and biggest supporters are Jules Johnson, Hilary Roback, and Hugh Philpot. And if you've made it this far, Please remember that even in the darkest times, there is always hope. Hi, I'm Brittany, and I have a bachelor's degree in film and television. And I'm Jessica, and I have a bachelor's degree in equine studies. What would happen if we put our heads together? We would come up with the new best worst horse movie. Like a movie where a horse is the best hard-boiled detective the city has ever seen. Or a movie where horses are fighting in the front lines in a space war. We're doing just that here at Colt Classics, a new show on the Pocket Podcast Network. Join us every other Monday for good horses, bad plots, and all the bad horse movies you never knew you needed in your life. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.